0: Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Will we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Well, we're looking at um, kind of the, the basics of who we are as a community of people who have recognized that that we are in rebellion against God and that we are without hope apart from his grace in Jesus Christ. And so we, we turned in belief and through faith and trust in jesus uh, we receive forgiveness and a new life and all of that is solely and completely by god's grace alone not by our good works not by a grace that responds to him seeing our good intentions not to the depth and sincerity of our faith but completely and totally God's free, unmerited, merciful, amazing grace. Now, when we share this message with people, most commonly the the natural response is for people to say, wait a minute, you're saying somebody can do all these lousy, rotten things and just say they believe in Jesus and they're forgiven. Are you saying that somebody could um, say, I believe in Jesus, and then live however they want? That somebody could just say they believe in Jesus and it's grace, and, and they really don't have to do anything after that to earn it? That's the question they're asking Paul. Are you really saying that God gives grace because of our sin, that His grace outweighs that sin, so we could just keep sinning and He would just pour out more grace? In other words, Paul anticipates us asking the question when we're really saying it completely is by grace alone. He says, what shall we say? Are we continuing sin that grace may abound? You see, when we understand, when, when we hear Paul answering a question we would naturally ask, that is a really good sign that we've understood what he said. And, and, and it's because Paul has taught this to people before. This isn't the first time he said these things. He's heard the reaction. He's heard the response of people saying, you're seriously saying God can forgive you, not because you've been good, but because of Jesus? And he anticipates the reaction because he's heard it so often, and he answers it. And so if we, we, we see his answer, it shows us that we understand he really is saying you're saved by grace alone because notice how Paul does not respond. He, he doesn't say, what then? Shall we sin so that grace abounds? No, 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 you've misunderstood me. You, you have grace, but then you have to work hard. He doesn't say that, nor does he say, well, you know, um, you get in by grace, but no, no, now you have to really work. So you're saved by faith and grace alone, but after that, to stay a Christian, you really have to work, otherwise you'll lose your salvation. Of course you have to keep the law. Of course you have to obey the rules. Grace gets you in, but your work keeps you in. That's not what he says. He understands that our natural question is going to be, This is too good to believe. I can really be saved by grace. So does that mean somebody can just sin? And what he says is, that's not the way this works. By no means. Can somebody who has died continue to live? Can somebody who's been set free return to that bondage? He uses those images and, and, and think about it. I, I don't imagine hardly anyone has been let out of Tipton County Jail and been set free and then they go, wait a minute. I'm going to come back tomorrow because I really like the green pants. I, I, the bars keep me comfortable. I, I want to be here. No, they, they're, they're out as soon as they can be. I mean, can, can you imagine being set free and saying, no, I really want to return to that. Can you imagine attending a funeral for a coworker, going back, eating potato salad with the family, getting up and going to work the next day and them greeting you and saying, hey, wasn't that a good service? Of course not, they're dead. So if you're dead to sin, you're not gonna continue to live in sin. If you've been set free, you, you don't return to it. Paul says that for a true Christian to return to bondage of sin simply makes no sense. And so it's not that you need more law, It's not that you need more rules. It's that if you know true grace, why would you ever want to leave that grace? Why would you ever return to bondage or sin? You've been set free not to sin, but from sin. Now, I I think we could get confused because there's a tendency in us to think that Uh, The rules and God's law and God's commandments are really restraints. Uh, And and we don't see sin as bondage. We see sin as the things uh, that that we want to do that's our freedom. Because that's what the world around us tells us. Commandments that restrain anything I want to do, thats the bondage. But but the world has it completely upside down. We're we're being told uh, doing whatever you want is real freedom. We're, We're constantly being told that... Our purpose is to satisfy every appetite, every desire, and and that's what real life is. Real life is just making myself happy by following whatever my flesh wants. We're told constantly, follow your dreams, pursue your passion, let your heart lead you. If it feels good, do it. How can something that feels so right be wrong? And so we rebel against anything that would restrain our desires, and we say that that must be bondage. God's word and God's command and God's law must be the restraints. Anything that takes away my freedom is considered <laughs> the restraint. But, but think about it. If you think of freedom as doing whatever you want, don't, don't you know instinctively That if you were to completely give yourself over to every desire and every whim and every appetite, how destructive it would be. If you didn't exercise some restraint in your life, you know what it would do to you. It would destroy you. It would destroy your health. It would destroy your security. It would destroy your relationships to say whatever you really wanted to say, to do whatever you wanted to do, to to feed anything you you were desiring would be completely destructive. We would suffer. Someone wisely said, half our problems coming from wanting our own way and the other half comes from getting it. True freedom is not the freedom to be in bondage to our desires and our appetites and our passions. That's slavery. It's slavery to to parts of ourselves and our own desires, but it's slavery nonetheless. No, No, true freedom is the freedom to pursue the joy for which we are made, not our immediate desires. True freedom is the freedom to follow Christ. And so that freedom comes through these commands that are for our own good. And from following him, and so Paul is saying that if you have come to an understanding of sin as the destructive power that it is, the, the bondage that holds you, that, that there's things you don't want to do, but you find yourself doing it as much as you try to resist, and you realize the bondage sin has you in, and you recognize the, the way that choosing sin leads you to a path of death, what he says is it, it, when you come to an understanding of that, and you understand the consequences, and, and then you understand the freedom that you have in Christ and the new life that you have in Christ, the idea that I follow Christ but I sin just makes no sense. That, that we, We've died to that old life. We have a new life in Christ. And here's the thing. That new life, that, that turning away from the old self, and, and becoming a new person in Christ, in this new life in Christ, that's not just our reasoning, it's not just an understanding, it's just not, a, not just a head knowledge. It is nothing less than the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit on your heart, setting you free, letting you see the truth, renewing your will, and making you a completely new person in Christ Jesus. Jesus called it being born again. It's new life that we have in Christ. That's what Paul is talking about when he's explaining what happens in our baptism. You have been baptized into Christ. You have a new life in Christ. Now, when Paul is saying you've been baptized in Christ, He's not just talking about the ceremony that the church has with water. Um, He's not saying that this is um, us kind of reenacting Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and then we go on about it. What he's talking about is the reality, the spiritual reality, that our water baptism um, points to and participates in. What he's talking about is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit baptizing us. When the Holy Spirit is poured out into a person's life, he gives new life to them. The The waters overflow and drown and, and it's a, a, a killing of the old. It's a washing away of the sin, it's a new birth, it's a regeneration, it's a a, a new life we have, it's a purification, it is uniting us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit in our baptism, that is in the spiritual work of the Spirit on our life, He unites us by faith to Jesus. So now as Paul says elsewhere, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That, that the new life we have in those who the Spirit has worked is combined with Jesus. So we have died with him. Our old person has died with him on the cross. And we have been raised in newness of life in his resurrection, which we share by faith through the power of the holy spirit baptizing us we are with him and made new and so he's saying that how could one who has died return to the old life how could we who are living this new life ever return to that old life how could we who have been set free from this return to the bondage that we desired in following jesus the one who repents and believes that is, who has been born again to a new life in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit is, is not one then who just assents to these facts, who just says, well, I think I'll be a Christian, who, who um, you know, th- this isn't somebody who's just raised their hand at a meeting or who just came forward or who just signed a card or who went through a confirmation class or who went through a membership class. This isn't just a mental thing, it's a work of the Holy Spirit on our lives that we receive. To do those things are okay, they're good. There are ways we can identify and talk to people and offer the gospel to people. But the true power is not something we do. The true power is the miracle of the Holy Spirit killing the old man and giving us new life the miracle is that we are born again and and so to discuss what this is and to be a community of those who are um, united to christ in his death and his resurrection to be those people we have to ask ourselves have i truly repented of my old sin my old self, my self-reliance, my my trust in my own ability? Have I truly turned away from everything else? And have I truly trusted in Jesus Christ? Am I sensing a, a change in my desires? Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit giving me this newness of life? It's not that we immediately run to perfection. It's not that we ever reach perfection in this life. We, we stumble and we stagger. The, 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 the path of following Jesus is one we fall from and we stray from, and, and there's, there, there's doubts, and there's, um, there's not a straight path. But is there evidence that the Spirit has to me trusting truly in Jesus? Is there works of change in my life? Is there a desire to follow him and to turn from sin? It is good to ask ourselves, have we truly experienced this baptism, this renewal, this new birth? Have we now, uh, as he says in in verse 14, are we now no longer under dominion, no under law, but under grace? The, the life we live in this newness is continuing in grace. It's We're not under the dominion of sin. And because of that, we're not under the, the condemnation of the law. We continue in this life in the way we begin it, completely and totally by God's grace working in us. The grace that saves us is the grace that sustains us as we live pursuing Christ in righteousness, seeking to um, use this freedom to pursue righteousness, this new life to pursue holiness. I wanna look at just two things of of what this implies for us if we are a community of people who, who haven't just given lip service to following Jesus, but are truly united to him by the work of the Spirit. And the first thing is that means we are truly then a community that wants to do what Jesus wants us to do. We're going to be a community. That's not saying, uh, well, grace gives me an excuse to sin. If we have truly been renewed and the spirit is working our life and that grace is working our life, God's grace is never going to leave us, lead us to re- rebel against him and disobey. God's grace is going to be at work in our lives to seek holiness to seek to serve others, to love him more, and to grow in righteousness and faith. And, and so if we are truly that community, uh, there, there is a, a space for us to, to remind each other what it means to follow Jesus, to hold each other accountable, to, to say, you know, you, you stood before this congregation and you said that you're turning away from sin and you're following Christ and you're committing yourself, uh, you're committed to, presenting yourself for righteousness and following him but this thing that you're doing isn't what jesus would have us do this thing you're doing is 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 sin and it's not the way of the new life and so it's appropriate for us to to remind each other what it means to follow jesus and so for saying that we're truly a renewed community that's united to Jesus, that means we're one that is united and being dead to sin and alive to righteousness. We are seeking, admitting our sin and showing grace, but at the end of the day, seeking to be holy, seeking to be righteous, seeking to be more like the Lord to whom we are united. To admit that we're sinners doesn't mean we ever are slack on sin. It means we recognize it and we call it out and we we call for grace and repentance and to turn from healing from that sin the the second thing is if we are a community of people who are truly united to jesus that means the work that we do is so much easier because If we're united to Jesus, and Jesus is leading us, and Jesus is at work, and the Holy Spirit has renewed us, then we don't have to worry about our own wisdom, and our own ability, and marketing strategies, and the cleverness that we have, uh, and our own resources. And we, you know those have their place, I guess, and, and we we want to do everything we can with excellence, and we want to learn and, and do as best we can, but the you know ultimately, what we see is if we are the result of the Holy Spirit uniting us to Jesus and Jesus is in the wor- in work among us, then that 's what matters he 's the one who 's doing the work, and so whatever happens it 's not a result of you know, the cleverness of the pastor. It's not a result of how good the, the session has, has worked through some plans. It's not because our effort and strength, it's because the Spirit is at work in us. And, and we've followed the Jesus that we're united. That rather than relying on our own abilities, we're relying on the Spirit. That, that we don't have to come up with the perfect plan. We just have to pray and be obedient and seek his will. That means the, the, the priority that we have is coming to scripture, praying, fellowship with one another, being sensitive to the leading of the spirit, but knowing he's the one who's doing it, it's not our five year plan. And so you know, if, if, if the, the things I put on the calendar for the church to do um, this past couple of months got blown away, it's still okay because God is the one at work and God is using even this to build and encourage and strengthen his church and so even if the zoom sunday school meeting uh, this morning didn't work out guess what God is still in control of all things and he's still the one leading us it's not our ability we are united to Jesus and whatever he ordains is right and we really believe that everything is working together for good for those who love him brothers and sisters the great hope we have is that we are united to jesus and all that we are doing doesn't depend upon us it depends upon his spirit so we attend to that and we trust and we are a community following him receiving his blessings let's pray